It is good to be with you this morning. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it up to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And this morning, we have the opportunity to look specifically at our grace verse this month. So we're looking at verse 17. As we come to the end of this glorious letter that we've been working through as a congregation, Hebrews chapter 13. Please follow along as I read from God's Word. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Hear the word of the Lord. I'm thankful for um, the way that Brandon, one of our elders, led us out in the grace verse and pastoral prayer, reminding us of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in light of verse 17, we have to remember as we enter into this verse that we have a good shepherd, a chief shepherd, the head of the church, Jesus Christ, and him alone. And as a good shepherd, please don't miss this, his love for the sheep led him to lay down his life for his own. And so if you are in Christ, if you are a believer, you have been purchased by the blood of of Christ and are now his possession. He is the good shepherd who watches over his sheep. Now, in his kind providence and the way that he has ordained things, he has given us not an isolated Christianity, but one where we come together with other sheep in a local expression of the bride, the church, like this, and he has ordained there to be under-shepherds. He is the chief shepherd, under-shepherds to care for his sheep. But in order to see a verse like this and go, how could you, a leader, be teaching this verse to us? It's a, it's a hard one to hear from one of your leaders, but it's an important one to hear, but keeping in mind as we go through this verse that there is the chief shepherd, the head of the church, helps us understand that verse 17 is, yes, written to the sheep, but it's also written to the leaders that God has put in place or appointed to care for the sheep. And so there is much here for all of us as we enter into this particular passage it is written for our good. And remember, God's word, this very letter, is inspired by the Spirit. It is God-breathed. This is his word for his people. And so receiving it, not as man telling you something, but God giving us a roadmap for our flourishing as his people, we can see a verse like this, receive it, and rejoice. And that is my hope and prayer this morning. A question that you may have thought about before, but I want you to think about it in light of our passage. What are our, as Christians, our chief responsibilities in this life? Many would answer that question with some answers that may come to mind from Scripture that you've read and thought about and tried to apply. We are, as Christians, called to repent and believe the gospel. We are called, as Christians, to fulfill the Great Commission. We are called to love our spouses and raise our children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. All of these things are our responsibilities to live out as Christians. We are, according to our passage last week, we are to do good and share with others, verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 13. We are to bear with one another's burdens. We see this throughout the New Testament. 
Those are all duties that we are called to live by as Christians, yet there is one responsibility that is easy for us to forget. Maybe you may not have previously even acknowledged. Christians are to make their leaders joyful by obeying and submitting. You may kind of start going, well, who are you to say something like that to us? For some, that sounds like fingernails on a chalkboard. If you are one who does not like to submit to authority, have someone telling you what you ought to do, something maybe naturally you buck hard against, just know you're not alone. In the, the battling of the flesh, we want to be autonomous. We want to be the captain of our own ship. Remember what I where I began in understanding that you, you are not your own. You have been purchased with a great price, the price, the blood of, of Christ. And having that um, gospel-centered orientation actually humbles us before the Lord and makes us understand we do have a king we do have a Lord who, who is leading us for our good, who is telling us what we ought to do. And as his children, as his followers, it is our call to, to follow in obedience. If, it, if you are one that really bucks against this, I, I think it, it reminds me kind of like the posturing of a mantra that you've probably seen on the back of cars, on flags, this kind of come and take it mentality, like who are you to say you're going to come and do something to me? And I want to just encourage us, brothers and sisters, as we look at a verse like 17 that begins with obeying your leaders and submitting to them, it is only by the work of the Holy Spirit in a sinner's life like mine that you could actually walk this out in a way that would please God and honor your leaders but I do believe it is possible, not in our own strength, but what God can accomplish through his people by the power of the Spirit. Now, hear me very clearly as we talk about submitting and obeying. The author of this letter is not speaking about unthinking, unquestioning, absolute obedience. Scripture never sets anyone in absolute authority over us besides God himself. We are to submit to church leaders who are striving to function in God's appointed ways. For some of you sitting here, you may have been hurt deep wounds from previous experiences of those in authority over you that have hurt you because they have not led in God's appointed ways. And so what the call and the command here in this particular passage is within the framework of leaders who are humbly seeking to be under shepherds, always remembering that there is only one who leads the church, and it is Christ and Christ himself. John Calvin observes only, with those who faithfully exercise their office, should this obedience and submission be given. For those who have nothing except a title, and indeed, those who abuse the title to destroy the church, he says, they deserve little reverence and even less trust. And so, understanding this verse, for some, is very difficult to wrap your minds and hearts around. God is calling us to, to, to see this as a good thing for our souls. And that's really what I hope by the help of the Spirit to, to help convey and communicate to you this morning. I think a good question also to ask is, submit to whom? Obey who? Who, who are the leaders being described here in this passage? In such passages in the New Testament like Acts chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus 1, the list could go further, but those in particular... We are given, by God's word, two offices in the local church. Two offices that function to meet the, the spiritual and the physical needs of God's people. 
Brothers and sisters, I want you to, to hear those things and actually rejoice that God has designed it this way for our good, to meet our spiritual needs and our physical needs as we walk this life together as believers. True submission to God naturally expresses itself in this obedience and submission to the authority that God has ordained. Now, we see this, we're, we're talking right now about the local church, but these spheres of, of sovereignty or authority, we see this play out, God's design for governance, God's design within the Christian home, and God's design for the local church. He has prescribed a, a way in which that's to play out, and if that is playing out the way that he has ordained, our response should actually be a glad, joyful submission and obedience to those spheres of sovereignty or authority. In the local church, these two offices of elder and deacon are what he has designed and given to us for our good. And if there's any confusion, there are different roles and functions between these two offices. I highlighted the spiritual and physical needs because that really kind of helps define when we think of the office of elder, we're thinking of something very specific. And the office of deacon, they serve the body also in a very specific way. So I do encourage you to read Acts chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and Titus 1 because they paint this portrait for us to see that when both of those needs are being met, brothers and sisters, we see the fruit of that in a healthy local church. The sheep are being cared for in all the ways that they need to be cared for, and God and his goodness towards us has given us these two offices. Now, when we look at leaders and we're talking about caring for someone's soul and being, accounted, uh, be, being held account uh, accountable to God. And then I want to draw your attention to verse 7 of Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders, past tense, those who spoke to you the word of God. All of that is helping us understand that the leaders in mind here is specifically geared to or focused on the office of elder. In the New Testament, the term elder, overseer, or pastor, all of those terms are actually used interchangeably in the New Testament, all referring to the same office. So if you've been confused going, okay, I hear you talk about elders, I hear you talk about overseers, I hear you talk about pastors, just know that those are all interchangeable. One, the, the, the term elder refers to the office that God's made, while overseer and pastor really refers to the task or function of the office. But all of those words are referring to the same office that God has given. And this particular office, please hear this, this office functions in this way. It is, called, it is men who are called to serve Christ by serving the, the flock, following Scripture's agenda, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, being all about the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word. What is also really helpful, if you're having a hard time swallowing this verse, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, please also hear this. In God's glorious design for the local church, and we see this in the New Testament, whenever the office of elder is spoken of, it is always in the plural. The plurality of elders caring for a singular church. That actually should be really good news as we're thinking about authority and our call to submit to it. When it is just one man overseeing everyone, Quickly, you may have experienced this in a local church, that one man can sometimes become skewed in understanding what his role and function is to be as the elder or pastor of a particular flock. When we see this plurality, leaders in the plural in verse 17, brothers and sisters, it should be really good news to know that there are qualified men who are working together to care for your souls. Where I may have strengths in one area and weaknesses in another, 
God has raised up other men who may have stronger strengths in my areas of weakness and I may be able to help them in their areas of weakness, all collaboratively working together to care for the sheep. It is beautiful, I can testify, when that plurality of elders are functioning the way that God has designed that office to function. When you have leaders who love God and his people and seek to proclaim the truth and lead in accordance with his word, then your general disposition or bent should be to take our counsel when we give it, take it seriously, heed our warnings when we give it, and follow our leadership. But I say all that by first saying, when you have leaders who love God and seek to faithfully live out the office of elder. So good and successful leadership is to a considerable degree, please hear this, dependent on the willing response of obedience and submission on the part of those who are actually under our authority. So in order for this to flourish the way God has designed it, it is weighty on our end, and I want to submit to you that it's weighty on your end and how you respond in order for this to actually bring glory to our Father and Christ as the head of the church truly be a testimony that goes forth in the way that we are actually interacting with one another. Everyone in the congregation suffers when godly leaders sigh and groan in sorrow over those who refuse to grow, learn, change, or receive correction. One author commented, It has led many good shepherds to give up because of the painful kicks and deep bites of disobedient sheep within a local church. This verse, verse 17, tells us, let them do this. The leaders that God has raised up in a local expression, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. You you may hear that and immediately go to this conclusion like, why is it all about your joy as our leader or as our leaders? Why is it all about that? But I want to actually reframe this the way that I think the, the verse actually should be applied. And it's actually for your advantage. When we are able to joyfully lay down our lives in service to the sheep, it is to your advantage. There's, there's a, a literary device being used here that basically is emphasizing this. You won't be sorry if you submit and obey to the leaders that God has placed in your midst. You won't be sorry. You're going to benefit. It will be of much profit to you if you if you respond in such a way that would build up your leader's joy instead of leading them to groan or to have grief or to mourn in their labors for you. So to emphasize this, I I want you to hear that there's a purpose and a goal and it is for your benefit. If you are part of, of this local church, Grace Covenant Church, as a covenant member. All of this is for your benefit, leaders who seek to care for your souls, leaders who will one day give account before God and the way in which we execute on that. It is for your good. And if this is still a little abstract, how is it for my good? One of the major themes through Hebrews has been about endurance, and perseverance. Here are just a few examples out of Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 36 says, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Brothers and sisters, endurance is not icing on the cake of saving faith. It is the proof that your faith is actually real. And one of God's appointed means and 
And helping you in your endurance and perseverance is by appointing elders to shepherd your souls. A little bit later in Hebrews 10.39, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are those who have faith and preserve their souls. So, so please hear this. The purpose or goal of your willingness to obey and submit is actually so that you may endure and persevere. We, your leaders, are called to care for your souls, to spur you on, to encourage and equip, to help you endure. This life is difficult. We all face trials of various kinds. When you think you have a relationship with Christ but can disconnect from the body, you are, in a sense, that expression, shooting yourself in the foot because God has not designed the Christian life to be like that. It is out of his goodness, his grace, and his mercy that he has orchestrated it to happen here or there in a local expression of the bride with leaders who care enough for you to teach the word, to admonish, to spur on, to love you enough to speak the truth in love and call you out on your sin, to rebuke, to encourage, to lift up those who are faint-hearted, all of that comprehensive view of ministry, it is for your benefit, benefit to help you endure. I want to submit to you that this is an indispensable, continuous work that we as your elders have been called to do for your benefit. Here from Acts chapter 20, this is where the Apostle Paul is saying his last remarks to elders in Ephesus. Such a helpful passage. I just want to read a few verses. This is what he is saying, the Apostle Paul, to the elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. There's so much in that passage. But one thing that I just want to highlight here. We may refer back to other parts of it, but here, there is this true reality of the sheep needing protection. Please understand this. When you think in Christianity, you can just kind of wander off. You, you probably have heard this. You may have been tempted to do this in your own Christian walk. Wander off and kind of do this thing on my own. You may have experienced some things in a local church that just kind of rubbed you the wrong way. You said, I'm done, I'm checking out, I'm doing it all on my own, the way that I think Scripture prescribes. And then you realize, whether you realize it or not, Christ's Word, the Bible, clearly helps us see that this, this fencing in, this guarding of the sheep, is there for a reason. It is for your protection. God has raised up leaders who actually are able to say this person is a wolf and is dangerous and will make them leave, protecting the flock, doing whatever it takes for your soul care. The stakes, I just want to emphasize, are so high when it, when it involves what we as elders are called to and what you as, as the local expression of the bride, as Christ's followers are called to, to participate in, in this local body. Alexander Strzok has written wonderful things about elders and deacons. He's a pastor and writer, and he writes this, since false teachers and spiritual pitfalls abound, since all Christians start out as newborn babes in Christ, 
And since some Christians are perpetually weak in faith, watching over the soul development of God's people is indispensable, and it is a continuous work. If it is indispensable, and it is a continuous work, it would be of no advantage to you if your elders do this, not joyfully, but groaning, and in grief, and mourning, and struggle. I, I, I want you to see that when we are able to joyfully serve you because of the willingness to obey and submit, everyone involved in that dynamic is, is actually flourishing and is, is honoring the Lord. There's much on our end. We will be the ones standing before God giving an account, and there's much on your end. Keeping watch over your souls. This, this word watchfulness is really helpful for you to understand how this is of advantage to you. Elders, overseers, watch the word of God. They must ever be alert to the accurate meaning and the, the, uh, the preciousness and the truthfulness of the power of God's word. Go back to verse 7 again. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. This is one of the main functions of your leaders, of your elders. They lead by the word of God, not by their own. They are men under authority, not just with authority. This is why the people are called to obey them and to submit to them. The main issue in perseverance is whether we drift away from the word or keep hearing it, keep believing it, keep loving it, and keep obeying it. Hebrews 2.1 said this, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Our obsession with the word of God being what drives everything we're about here at GCC, please know this, is for your perseverance. We as elders have no right to love Christ's sheep the way we think they should be loved. Without the eyes of Scripture, our love is blind. We are responsible to love the sheep the way the chief shepherd requires. This should give you the peace of mind, the heart that can actually be willing to trust and willing to submit and obey. When I hear those words as one of your leaders, we are responsible to love the sheep the way the chief shepherd requires. It prompts me and our elders to bow before his word. We must continually bow in prayer before his throne. This is one, what one author said that was so helpful. Elders are the ones that are bowing before the Father, the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer. We are basically taking up the, the prosperous occupation of begging. In the kingdom of God, beggars become rich. We are not trying to lead out in our own strength or our own wisdom, but wholly dependent upon God and his word that directs us in caring for your souls. Elders and overseers understand the eternal weight of shepherding. At least they should, according to this verse. Knowing that submission to authority is often resisted and often resented, even by God's children, the author of this letter supports his exhortation to you by adding an important reason for submission and obedience. Please hear this, coming right from verse 17. Your spiritual leaders should be obeyed because they keep watch over your souls and they are the ones who will give account before God. The eternal weight of this shepherding is not just what we experience here and now, maybe for a season of two or three years and then you move on to another church or I move on to another church. That is a very, um, I guess, finite, um, 
earthly view of what's actually happening here when we read verse 17 that you have been entrusted to us your leaders the chief shepherd for whatever amount of time this is that we are covenanting with each other has said you are my under shepherds if you're not familiar with the plurality of elders here joel kinberg myself brandon bishop and dennis fowler are the three men who god has ordained for this time in this place to oversee the souls of the people of gcc and we are the ones who will one day stand before god's throne and give an account for how we cared for your souls that actually, I think, should give you more freedom and courage and confidence to trust, submit, and obey. Because we are the ones who will one day have to answer to God Almighty. To the chief shepherd who said, I, for a period of time, entrusted you with these, these of my own, my people, the church belongs to Jesus, and the elders are mere caretakers of those entrusted to him. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, So I exhort the elders among you, this is Peter writing, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is, to be, that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. As I'm talking about the eternal weight of shepherding, I hope you're hearing the weightiness of this task. James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Since positions of teaching and leadership require greater responsibility and accountability, a wise individual will never rush into leadership. The knowledge that a leader must give an account before God should greatly affect the leader's quality of spiritual leadership. When I began, I said, this is a word for you. It is a word for your present leaders, your elders right now. And we have two in our midst that are actually elder candidates who need to hear this word this morning as they're working through that candidacy process. All of this is for your benefit. It is for your profit. If you have not heard it yet, please hear this. This means that when the elders of Grace Covenant Church come to the end, whether Christ returns first or we go to see our Lord, we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he is going to say something like this. What did you do? to preserve the faith and obedience of the members of GCC. What did you teach them? How did you live? What steps did you take in the case of the disobedient, the rebellious, the suffering, the grieving, the perplexed, the lonely, the aged, the teenagers, the, the children? And we will have to give an account. This is unbelievably serious business. When God's people understand that their leaders must give account to God, I believe you will be more tolerant, understanding, and sensitive towards us, your elders, as we lead out with many actions and many decisions. I believe by the help of the Holy Spirit, there will be more willingness, there will be a more willingness to obey and to submit to the elders of GCC. To those who are still going, I'm not even part of a local body, I don't think I need to be. To cut oneself off from God's watchmen or under shepherds 
And to run away is a dangerous business. William Lane helpfully comments, a sober reminder that the welfare of the community is tied to the quality of their response to their current leaders. And the result, when a body of believers obeys and submits, the result for your leaders is joyfulness. Let them, the leaders, do this with joy and not with groaning, for this would be unprofitable for you. So the profitableness of, this, of spiritual leadership for the people actually comes through the leader's joy. Now, it's interesting how the idea of members of a local congregation and their obedience to the elders, making the elders joyful, can be twisted into sounding like we're some kind of like we're on some kind of ego trip. Like as leaders, we, we get some kind of thrill out of ordering and needing to see people respond in obedience. But I, I want to submit to you that it is not like that at all. Scripture defines the elders as the servants of Christ for the congregation. The result of submission and obedience on the part of those who are led is a deep, satisfying joy on the part of those who lead. Every under-shepherd, every elder who has experienced and tasted people in their midst growing in maturity in Christ as a result of the teaching of the word, seeing them transformed more into the image of the Son, watching the gospel take root in their marriage, in their family, in their workspace, when that experience lands on an elder. All glory is given to God because he has chosen to use a weak vessel like me or Brandon or Dennis to build up his body, to equip the saints, to care for the sheep, and we respond in joyfulness. It is our joy to see him accomplish his purpose in and through his word and the ministry of the local church. Do you realize what an evil thing it is to rob someone of joy? Because of our self-centeredness, we don't often think about our sin in that way. That when we sin, we rob others of joy. But in light of this passage, I think that we should. It's an important perspective on sin. And it is especially important when we grieve those who are laboring in the ministry to keep us on the right path to feed and to protect God's sheep. But often it happens. Your actions as members of a local church impact your leaders. Giving a good report is one of the great, greatest causes of rejoicing to an elder. Nothing makes me quite as happy as to be able to respond to someone who asks, how are things going at Grace Covenant Church? Not to just keep it in the abstract, but to actually give a good report of what God is doing in members' lives here at GCC. And when that is taking place, that is testifying to y'all living out verse 17, actually obeying your leaders and submitting to them. Because all our aim is, is to help you and your endurance and perseverance to live a Christ-centered life. Not for our glory, but for his and your good. If you don't believe that it brings joy to give a good report, one example from the New Testament, there are many others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. This is Paul's response, his good report. Verse 19 and verse 20. For what is our hope or joy 
or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? He's asking a question. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. That was the love, the intimacy in which he was walking with the sheep. It was his joy to know that they are growing in the faith, that they were willing gladly to obey and submit to the leadership. What's really interesting about that passage, I want you to just think for a moment. He is saying this in relation to the return of Christ. Here's a question. What will you be thinking about when Jesus comes again? For me personally, I think I will be so overwhelmed by the Lord's majesty and his grace that a sinner like me could even participate in any of this. Won't be able to think about anything else, yet Paul says that when Jesus comes, he's going to be thinking about that little church in Thessalonica. That's what he's going to be thinking about, and it's causing joy to well up inside of him that he would be able to give a good report to the chief shepherd about the sheep that God had called him to care for. How amazing is that? So the joyfulness is not a flippant or trivial or shallow thing. It is immensely weighty on my end and your end. Strong commitments and bonds are being described here between elders and members of the congregation. I want to spend just a moment thinking about that for a second. Kind of pressing. If you are a covenant member of Grace Covenant Church, I hope that this is just affirming. For those who are here this morning who may be so distant from a local church, I want you to hear this as you think about what it means to be part of the bride of Christ. Here is a question that's really important. Who exactly are the elders supposed to watch? We've seen the eternal weight of this passage, that the elders are called to care for souls, that they will have to give an account before God. Here's a a legitimate question. Who exactly are the elders supposed to watch over? Accountable for whom? Elders need to be able to distinguish the people from whom they are accountable before God as shepherds and the people to whom they are to relate to as just fellow Christians. Should elders shoulder the spiritual responsibility for someone who attends Grace Covenant Church once, twice? How long and how regular must a person come to Sunday worship before he or she is officially counted as part of the fold that the elders oversee? All good questions. Brothers and sisters, it is verses like this, verse 17, that help us understand meaningful church membership. Hear it again. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Jeremy Rhine has written a little book on elders, eldership, that is so helpful. I want to read just a little portion from this in in regards to meaningful church membership. He writes this, By identifying and marking disciples of Jesus, church membership enables a pastor elder to know that these are his sheep. And by gathering disciples into a congregation, church membership helps an elder know which sheep are the ones under his oversight. He will give an account to God for them. This doesn't mean that an elder should be indifferent or calloused to a non-member attending a church worship service. 
but it does mean that the elders have a type of authority and accountability towards members that they don't have towards non-members. Church membership also helps the whole congregation remember that they also are accountable for one another. Elders should take a lead role in looking for the straying sheep, yes and amen, but they are not the only ones called to care for each other. Membership means mutual accountability and concern within the whole body. This is why at GCC, our, our care groups are such a vital ministry in the elder's mind as we see this play out. Because as this church, by God's grace, is growing numerically and we pray spiritually as well, it becomes harder and harder to be in the lives of everyone. And so we have strategically placed five different care groups with leadership within each one so that we might live this out and actually know each other and care for each other. And so we don't want to, to diminish that awesome uh, additional discipleship roadmap that we have here at GCC in our care groups. Brothers and sisters, in all that I have said this morning, I'm proceeding, striving to proceed with humility because I am painfully conscious of my own deficiencies in loving you, the sheep, as I ought. We talk about the sin of commission, doing what you know you should not do, and sins of omission, not doing what you know you ought to do. And when it comes to caring for the souls of the sheep in all that we are called to be about as elders, there are many times where we as elders are crying out to the Lord, confessing our sins of omission, not doing all that we know we ought to do. And in light of that, that does not mean we, we shy back from these glorious truths and callings to, to call the body, members of this particular expression of the bride, to obey and to submit. Brothers and sisters, you must understand that upon contemplating such matters as heavy as these, we, your elders, find ourselves spontaneously, more often than not, crying out with the Apostle Paul, who is sufficient for these things? And of course, the answer is no one. However, the same apostle, only a few verses later, points us to our true hope when he says, our sufficiency is from God. If he has ordained that the local church should have the office of elder and the office of de uh, deacon, he will provide not only men who are biblically qualified, but enabling them, sustaining them, empowering them to, to live in such a way to fulfill that weighty call. What I love about this passage is I want to draw your attention to verse 18. So we've been looking at 17. This is where, inspired by the Spirit, he immediately goes, pray for us. How appropriate. Pray for us, for we are, for, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. For me, as one of your elders, that is exactly where I would want to go next. You have heard all of this, the call to obey and submit, and the weightiness of what we are charged to do as your under-shepherds. Pray for us, please, that we would be able to walk with a clear conscience before God and in all things glorify him as we seek to care for souls. I want to close with this. It was just the very end of an article um, in, on the Ligonier website. The end of the article pertaining to this passage um, I think is just a great way to end this. It is easy to gripe and complain about church leaders but it is much harder to submit to them as God calls us to do. But as we see in today's passage, Hebrews 13, 17, the Lord calls us to submit to God-honoring leaders in a way that makes them glad to do their jobs. Let us submit to the elders God has appointed 
so that we can enjoy the benefits that God gives through them. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in all that we see in this one particular verse, I rejoice that Christ is the head of the church. That you have, in your grand plan of redemption, ordained that in the local church there would be shepherds, under-shepherds, overseers, elders, pastors, to be the, the example before the flock of what the chief shepherd's aim is for their souls. We rejoice that Christ is the chief shepherd because where we fall short, he never does. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And Lord, it is appropriate in this time if there are members of our particular flock that have been hurt that have been dissatisfied by the leadership here, an opportunity for us to say we are sorry before you once again and to know that in Christ there is forgiveness of sins and by the power of the Spirit, because you have ordained this to be the way the church functions, you are faithful to to mend, to restore, to heal up, to empower, to help us as elders fulfill our call to care for the souls of the sheep here. There is much hope and encouragement in all of this. And Lord, if there are, if there are members here this day that have not willingly in their heart of hearts obeyed and submitted, Father, may this be the time for restoration for, for this to be a time where we can put what is behind us behind us and walk forward, knowing that you are the one who restores. You are the one that mends and heals, and your grace abounds and is lavished upon us. And where we, we have been forgiven much, we forgive much. Lord, I pray that you would do an amazing work in our midst even now as we contemplate this verse and how we respond to it as your children. All for your glory and our good, we pray. Amen.